The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Hey, well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us at the Grove today. My name is Jesse. I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm just so excited to be with you, to be closing out the new year together this morning. Uh, Today, I have the honor of actually closing out our series titled, It's Christmas. The title of today's message is called Back in the Box, if you are taking notes. And again, also, if it's your first time, we just want to say welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go ahead and fill out that online connect card or let us know in the comments that you're here. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, One thing that happens every single year for all of us at Christmas time, and maybe for you this is uh, before Christmas because you're about to go on a vacation Maybe for you, this happens like on the day of December 26th. Maybe you are a New Year's individual. Maybe it happens at some point during the year, during the month, not the year of January, but the month of January. Maybe you would never publicly admit this, but this doesn't actually happen in your house until February, March, maybe April, maybe if it's really bad, even July. But what I'm talking about this morning is taking down your Christmas decorations. I don't know about you, but when I think about pulling down all of the decorations, when I think about taking down all of the lights, that thought for me is a little overwhelming. And if you're anything like me, your garage, basement, attic, spare room, whatever, is filled with a bunch of boxes that look like this, a box full of Christmas decorations. And when it comes to putting away Christmas decorations, the hardest thing for me to put away, and maybe it is for some of you, is the Christmas tree. Because at like the very baseline of everything, the Christmas tree is like the focal point of all of your decorations. The Christmas tree is where all of the presents go. The Christmas tree is where all of the family photo ops happen. The Christmas tree is where your dog likes to pull off all the ornaments and turn your tree around backwards, or maybe that's just me. But the Christmas tree is the worst thing for me to figure out how to deal with every single year, whether it's a real tree or a fake tree. And yes, we have had to alternate between the two. You see, the first two years of our marriage, we actually had, Joy and I, had a real Christmas tree. And that year we lived in this weird little mother-in-law suite in our landlord's backyard. And this uh, Christmas tree, it was our first one. We went and cut it down. We had the whole experience. We got the Starbucks red cups and had like the beanie and the gloves and we're all cozy. We cut down the tree. I felt like a lumberjack. It was amazing. And we set it up in our living room. And I remember having a conversation with our landlord at the time, and he made it very clear that he did not want this Christmas tree dumped somewhere on the property, and that when Christmas was over, the tree had to go. And so what I did is there was this little green belt behind our little apartment that we lived in, and it was technically his property, but I actually went to Walmart, Walmart, and I bought a pair of pruners. And I actually took the time to go through and trim off every single individual branch of this tree to get it down to size, and then took the time to actually go scatter it out across the property so that they wouldn't have any idea that I had actually dumped my tree in their yard. It's okay, I need Jesus too. I'm okay admitting that. 
The next year, we moved into an apartment complex, and we did a real tree again, and this is actually where that tradition died, and here's why. You see, we have a cat whose name is Thunder, which if you're out there and you're watching this and you are primarily a cat person, I will pray for you. Uh, They can be okay sometimes, but our cat, uh, as much as I love him, got fleas. And basically, the only thing we can trace it back to that year is that when we brought this real tree back into our home, that it actually brought fleas in. And I don't know about you, but it is just disgusting when that happens. It is the absolute worst. It's an incredible problem to try and deal with. And it was really, really challenging for a while. Now, don't worry if any of you out there are just dying to give me a hug after COVID is over. I don't have fleas. At least I don't think so. So feel free to do that in the future. What ends up happening is we switch the next year to an artificial tree. And everyone says, oh, the artificial tree, right? It's just so much easier. There's no mess. It's an easy setup. Everything about the artificial tree is great other than the fact that it's a lie. Like that's what everyone says about fake trees. And I remember we got our artificial tree and yeah, it's set up pretty easy, but no one told me that when it comes to an artificial tree, there's something you have to do to it called fluffing. Fluffing a tree. You see, when you buy a real tree, it just comes fluffed already. But when you set up an artificial tree for the first time, you have this pole with a bunch of green toothpicks coming out of it that you have to go and individually straighten out. And the Christmas tree comes in a giant box straight out of the store. And what I learned that year of having an artificial Christmas tree is that when I went to put this tree away, that it doesn't go back in the box the same. I don't know what the people who made this tree had in mind. I feel like they were just trying to give me a bad day. But all they did was make this tree so that it never folded up and went back in the box exactly the same way that it had. It's almost like that aspect of Christmas was never intended to go back into the box. Again, the title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is Back in the Box. And for all of us, every year, when Christmas is over, the decorations get put away. When Christmas is over, the living room starts to feel a little less cheery and a little less cozy. Our coworkers, who were once wearing ugly sweaters and Santa hats, start to feel a little less festive, even if they were only doing that on Zoom anyway, because 2020. At the end of Christmas, Everything starts to fade. Having pie and sweets for breakfast is no longer acceptable. And along with the decorations, the Christmas spirit even begins to fade within us. And the tension that I want us all to wrestle with today is this. What do we do when the celebration of Christmas begins to fade? But even more specifically than that, what do we do when the celebration of Christmas begins to fade within our hearts. You see, at Christmas time, we intentionally reflect on the birth of Jesus. We do things like Advent, where we go and look through all of the holy moments that are a part of the Christmas story. We sing songs like, O Holy Night and Silent Night, that are focused on the night that Christ, our Savior, was born. We read Luke chapter 2 and go through the whole story. At Christmas time, we soak in the love and the hope and the joy and the peace that comes with Christmas. But then something happens. December 26th rolls around. The focus on the birth of Christ is suddenly behind us, and we're looking ahead to a new year. 
Christmas begins to fade as if it's just a special day in history that we review once a year. We start to put it back in the box. And a quick sidebar, actually, yesterday, Joy and I were talking, and I had always run through my notes with her before I preach. And we were talking about how we had this goal of watching one Christmas movie every day for a solid week and a half leading up to Christmas. And if you know Joy and I, well, something that's pretty typical is we set really high lofty goals for ourselves that don't happen. Because obviously leading up to Christmas is incredibly busy and sometimes a little stressful. And I remember looking at Joy yesterday and saying, man, remember when we had that goal of watching all of those Christmas movies leading up to Christmas? And I was like, man, it's such a bummer that today is December 26th. And she looked at me and said, well, why can't we still watch a Christmas movie? And I remember thinking and looking at her like, well, clearly it's December 26th and Christmas is over. And in that moment, she threw my sermon back at me and looked at me all sad and said, do we have to put Christmas back in the box already? And in that moment, I knew I had messed up. But it's all good. She loves me and forgave me. But here's my fear for all of us this morning, that we can treat the birth of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas time as a historic event rather than a life-changing reality. Here's what I mean by that. Every year at Christmas, we bring out our box. There's different things that we bring out at Christmas time every single year. The first thing that maybe we bring out is this thing called salvation. We know ultimately that Jesus was born, that he died and rose again for the forgiveness of all of our sins. We celebrate the fact that his birth brought that into the world at Christmas time. We bring love out of the box at Christmas time. We know that through Jesus, this crazy love entered the world. We're more loving towards our family members, towards our friends, at least hopefully. I don't know what your dinner table is like at Christmas, but hopefully love is more prevalent. At Christmas time, we also bring out joy. There's time off of work typically, some time to unplug, to enjoy some new gifts. We bring out joy at Christmas time. At Christmas time, we also bring out this thing called hope. In our sin, we were not able to fix that problem on our own, but through Jesus, there is hope that we are not in this world alone, but that He loves us and forgives us. Finally, we bring peace out of the box. We know that line that's popular at Christmas time, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. We bring these things out of the box at Christmas time. But see, when Christmas, when we treat it as just a historical event rather than a life-changing reality, these things that we bring out at Christmas time start to go back in the box once December 26th hits. We take peace. Oh, well, the same anxieties start to creep back in as we start to think of the new year, back in the box. We take things like hope. Will COVID ever end? Will the economy stabilize? We're through Christmas now, and that anxiety starts to creep back in. We take things like joy. Oh, I have to see that coworker when I go back? No thanks, the joy is gone. We bring things like love. Love, suddenly we're more stressed out, we're more easily irritated, we're less patient. Love starts to go back into the box. We even sometimes forget about the fact that we're saved that Christmas is a life-changing reality for all of us. And these things go back in the box. So my challenge for all of us today is what does it look like for Christmas to be a life-changing reality for you and I today? 
Today, if you're taking notes, we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. But first, I would just like to pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity we have at Christmas time to reflect on the birth of Christ. God, I just want to thank you for the opportunity we have, Lord, to walk in relationship with you through what you've done on the cross. God, I pray that as we dive into this text today, Lord, that you would reveal to our hearts how Christmas is more than just a historical event, but God, that it is a life-changing reality for all of us today. We pray this in your name, amen. If you look with me to John chapter 1, verses 10 through 14, here's what John writes about Jesus. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son." You see, today, this verse provides us with some important reminders about Christmas as we transition into the new year. The first thing this verse reminds us is that all of us need a Savior daily. You see, before Jesus, we were separated from God because of our sin. This verse tells us that Jesus went to even his own kind, the Jewish people, and even they did not recognize who he was and rejected him. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you go back to the book of Genesis, you find the story of what we call the fall of man. This is where Adam and Eve make a mistake. They break one of God's commands, and through that, sin enters the world. This also was a historic event that has life-changing implications for all of us today. None of us are perfect. All of us have made mistakes. All of us are fallen and sinful people. And sin is a problem that you and I can't fix on our own. And Christmas reminds us of what the solution is through the birth of Jesus. You see, recently over the summer, my wife and I bought a little fixer-upper home. It's a 1951 house, about 960 square feet, and we're in love with it. And part of what I really enjoy is doing different projects around the house. I love working with my hands. I love creating and restoring things to how they used to be. But if there's anything that I've learned owning a fixer-upper is that pretty much any project is exponentially more frustrating if you don't have the right tools to complete it. Whether you're painting, you need the right kind of roller. Whether you're nailing something to the wall, you need the right kind of nails, the right hammer, whatever it is, if you don't have the right tool, if you don't have the right solution, then it becomes exponentially more difficult, sometimes impossible. You see, again, all of us, we have the problem of sin in our life. And Christmas reminds us that we all need a savior on a daily basis. And that savior, can I tell you today, is Jesus. The whole reason he came at Christmas time was born so that he could grow up and then die and rise again is so that you and I could be forgiven and restored into a right relationship with God. And so often in our life, we turn to the wrong things to try and medicate the problem of sin. We look to relationships to fulfill us. 
We look to just another drink or substance to try and numb the pain. We look to gossip and tearing others down to try and make ourselves feel better about our situation. But the only solution that can satisfy us and correct the problem of sin in our life is Jesus. And when we have Jesus, when we accept him, it doesn't stop at that moment because Christmas also reminds us that Jesus transforms us continually. I think back to the year 2010. I was a sophomore in high school, and some of you were like, wow, that guy's young. Sorry, I am. But I remember back in that year, the Seahawks hired a brand new head coach whose name is Pete Carroll. And when the Seahawks hired Pete Carroll to be the coach, we were coming off of a really bad year. It was like the Seahawks that year were five and 11. Five wins, 11 losses, that's really bad. And then the Seahawks bring in this new head coach, and then all of a sudden, what happens? Things start to improve. Things start to look up. The Seahawks actually start to win. Then just a few years later, while I'm in college, the Seahawks actually do the unthinkable and bring a championship to Seattle, something the Mariners can never do for us. But hey, the Seahawks did. And I remember something changed when Pete Carroll entered that organization. Now, of course, Pete Carroll isn't Jesus. Maybe he is to the Seahawks. I don't know. But when Jesus entered human history, it transformed the world as we know it today. And in the same way, when Jesus enters into our hearts, it transforms you and I for an eternity. And the transformation is a continual process. You see, I look back to the day where I accepted Jesus into my heart, and I was a sixth grader at a summer camp. That's when I accepted Christ when I declared that I would follow his call for my life. And can I tell you that a lot of growth and maturing has happened since that point. And you can just ask my wife. There's a lot of growth and maturing that still needs to happen. But the same is true for all of us. We don't arrive when we accept Christ, but Jesus is in the process of transforming us and renewing us and making us more and more like him with each and every passing day. It's that process called sanctification, the process of being more, made more and more like Christ and transformed into his image. And we can do this with the knowledge that we're not alone because Christmas also reminds us that Jesus is with us eternally. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. This verse also tells us that the word became flesh, and as it says, it says it made his home, he made his home among us. Other translations use the word dwelt. And when you study the meaning of that word dwelt, it's in reference to more of a temporary dwelling. It's not meant to be a permanent dwelling, but it's temporary, more of a tent-like dwelling. And see, when this verse is talking about Jesus and how he came and made his home, he came and dwelt among us, oftentimes we can look at how, yes, Jesus came and walked the earth for those 33 years. But actually, those 33 years wasn't God's final goal. That wasn't his final plan. But rather, that was in preparation for Jesus one day, once he rose again and went to heaven to also live in our hearts. When the Bible tells us in this passage that Jesus made his dwelling among us, it's not just that period of time when he was on earth, but it was also when he's living in our hearts today. 
Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and the great news is that he is still here today living inside all of us. Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is a life-changing reality because Jesus is with us every single day. We are never truly alone because Emmanuel, God, is with us on a daily basis. And if this is true, if Jesus really is a life-changing reality, then Jesus is worth celebrating beyond Christmas. Beyond the calendar day of December 25th, Jesus is worth celebrating in our lives today. The hope, joy, love, peace, all of it once taken out of the box is meant to be a part of our lives forever. And it's not meant to be put back in the box when that day has passed. In Luke chapter 2, verse 17 through 19, we see what happens after the angels have arrived and announced to the shepherds that Christ the Lord is to be born in Bethlehem. The shepherds, as we see, they freak out and they're excited and they go and they meet Jesus. And in verse 17, it says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone about what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And verse 19 is the most important part. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. You see, I love this part of the story because for you and I today, it reminds us of how Jesus has transformed our heart and our lives on a personal level. You see, for the shepherds, yes, they have this crazy moment. For the people they went and told, yes, they were astonished. But it tells us that Mary, what did she do? She kept these things in her heart. She pondered them and she thought about them often. One commentary I was reading preparing for this message simply stated that while others wondered, Mary pondered. She took these things about Christ, about the fact that he was the Savior, and stored them up in her heart and thought about them often. You see, sometimes my fear is that the wonder of Christmas is something that we think about every single December. The 25th rolls around and we're like, wow, Jesus was born, he walked on earth. That's incredible. But after Christmas Day, that wonder begins to fade. But again, this is a life-changing reality. It was for Mary, it has been for people for thousands of years, and it still is for you and I today. So what does it look like for Christmas to be a life-changing reality as we enter the year 2021? I believe one of the first things that we can do is to set intentional reminders. Maybe it's as simple as every day you set a reminder on your phone at three o'clock or two o'clock or one o'clock, whatever it is, where a little notification will pop up and just remind you, hey, Jesus loves you. He was born. He's here to change your life. Maybe for you, a way to make this a life-changing reality in the new year is to join us on the Bible reading plan, to follow along, to create that consistent rhythm of devotions in your life. Maybe for you, allowing Jesus to be a life-changing reality is to simply choose hope and joy no matter what situation we might face in the coming year. As we prepare to close today, my prayer for all of you is simply this, that you wouldn't put Christmas back in the box. 
but rather that you would allow the birth of Jesus to transform your life in a deep and in a powerful way. As we close today, I love this quote by a theologian, author, and preacher. He's a man named Frederick Buchner. And he tells us this, the birth of Jesus made possible not just a new way of understanding life, but also a new way of living it. When I think about what this quote means, I think back to one of my favorite Christmas movies. And we just watched it over the past week, but it's a movie, maybe you've heard of it, called Home Alone. And as we know how the story goes, there's a boy named Kevin McAllister. His parents fly off to Paris, and in all of the hustle and bustle and craziness of Christmas time, they forget poor little Kevin up in the attic of their house. And as Kevin is home alone, his parents are trying to get home from Europe as fast as they can to see him. There's this man in the neighborhood whose name is Old Man Marley. And I remember being a kid and Old Man Marley struck a chord of fear in my heart and still kind of does to this day. But you remember at the beginning of the movie, they show Old Man Marley and Kevin's talking uh, to his older brothers looking out the window and they say, yeah, because you see how he's out shoveling and putting salt down on the sidewalk? And they're like, yeah, uh-huh. And his brother tells Kevin, that's all the victims of the people that he's murdered. And as someone who has an older brother, like those kinds of pranks like still stick with me and haunt me to this day. And as the movie goes on, Kevin goes to a Christmas Eve service by himself and Old Man Marley approaches him. And initially, Kevin's all nervous, but old man Marley says, hey, you don't have to be afraid. The things people say about me aren't true. And they start to talk about life. They start to talk about Kevin's struggles in his relationship with his family. And old man Marley begins to encourage Kevin to be grateful for his family, to cherish the time he has with them. But then in that conversation, it comes out that old man Marley himself is estranged from his son at Christmas time and hasn't spoken to him in years. And in that moment, Kevin says, you really should call him because it's a Christmas time and I'm sure he would love to hear from you. See, when I think about this quote, the birth of Jesus made possible, not just a new way of understanding life, but a new way of living it. I think of the fact how in this story, yes, old man Marley in the story had an understanding of what it meant to love people. He had an understanding of what it meant to be grateful for those you love at Christmas time, but the way he was living his life did not reflect that understanding. And for all of us today, the challenge that I feel for all of us and the prayer I'm praying for all of us today is that we would not just have the head knowledge and the understanding about the birth of Jesus, how it was this historic event in history, but that it would be a life-changing reality that transforms the way you and I live our lives today. That's my prayer for all of us as we enter the new year. That we would allow the birth of Jesus this Christmas season to change the way we love people, to change the way we serve our community, to change the way we go about our daily lives because the birth of Jesus is a life-changing reality. God, I thank you so much for today. God, for every single person who's watching from home right now, God, who is going through a whole, um, God, slew of different things, God, different problems, different situations, struggling with different aspects of life. God, I pray, Lord, that for all of us as we enter into the new year, that you would remind us that the birth of Jesus the life-changing implications that come with it, God, are not meant to be stashed away back in a box, 
until next year. But God, they are meant to transform our lives on a daily basis. So God, as we enter into the new year, God, would you give us the strength, Lord, to create reminders, to create rhythms, to help us intentionally reflect on how much you love us. God, we need you apart from you and your transformational work in our lives. We can do nothing. But God, through your love and through your son, Jesus, God, we have access to your hope, to your love, to your joy and your peace that changes our lives for an eternity. God, we're so grateful for you and all that you've done for us as we enter into the new year. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you wanna keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.